be here with you today. It's great to get to share um, a little bit about uh, our story and the ministries that God has given us. Maybe it can be an encouragement to you in some way. And I know this is part of your Faith Promise Weekend. You'll be hearing more about that. But this is about your opportunity to give in a systematic, regular way throughout the course of the year for the support of world evangelism. And we obviously are believers in that because it is your faithfulness in that regard that enables us to go and do what we are doing. So we're here to say thank you, and we're here to encourage and challenge you. Maybe you're one of those persons who has been on board with this kind of giving uh, for many years, and it's just part of your habit. But maybe there are others here today who are just new to this idea. Maybe you're new to the Church of the Nazarene, and this is the first time you're hearing about something like that, and maybe it seems like a stretch for you. And so uh, whatever the case is, uh, we're glad to be part of this weekend, and we want to encourage you uh, to jump in with God's work in this world. This is a, if you go to the slide here, this is a picture of my family. Uh, don't I have a beautiful group of people to associate with? Three lovely daughters and a lovely wife, and uh, no boys in this family except me. I'm severely outnumbered, right? Uh, even our dog back in Kenya is a girl, okay? Uh, and uh, we have been serving in Nairobi, Kenya for the last 18 years. And 19 years ago right now, we were packing up our few belongings and making our way to, to join in with God and His mission. And our theme for this home assignment is around this idea of diving in. And we've got a video that we want to share with you about that. And let me set the stage for that video. My wife is the children's ministry coordinator for East Africa. And what that means is that she is engaged in the training of Sunday school teachers and children's ministry workers. You've got some of those in this church, I assume, right? people who are teaching the kids week in and week out. And that is such an important ministry where we are. She'll tell you more about that in just a little bit. But you'll see some scenes in this video of lots of kids, smiling faces, school kids in their school uniforms and doing all kinds of things. You'll see some scenes of children's ministry workshops, some people being doing some activities and being trained and such. And that's all about her ministry. And then she'll come a little bit later and explain a little bit more of what that's about. You'll see some scenes of my ministry. I work at Africa Nazarene University. And this is a Nazarene university, just like our universities here in the States. We're here on the Eastern Nazarene College Zone, so maybe some of you are familiar with that and I'll be sharing more with you. But you'll see scenes in this of the work that I do there. I'm the academic dean of the university, so it's like I have, I'm in, uh, responsible for all of the academic programs that are going on, all of the teaching and learning that's happening at the university. But you'll see scenes of the young people... Uh, yeah, doing whatever college-age kids do on a university campus and some of our faculty and other things like that. We want you to capture the message of the song that's going to be played. It's Stephen Curtis Chapman's song, Dive. 
And there's this phrase that's repeated, sink or swim, I'm diving in. And that's kind of the message we want to challenge you with, that you, by the end of this service, will dive in with God's mission in some deeper way than where you were at before you came into this service. So let's play that video. So sink or swim, I'm diving in. Are you ready for that? Are you really ready for that? Well, let's go to the next slide then. Are you ready for that? <laughs> what happened? Huh? I don't know where this was at. I just found it on the internet somewhere, and I think that looks pretty incredible, doesn't it? I don't know. With photography these days, your depth perception can be, you know, manipulated or something, but that looks like that's a long way down, doesn't it, from where that guy is. Jumping off that platform, off a cliff, into some water down below. But somehow, I think that's God's intention for all of us in some way. Nineteen years ago, I told you earlier, it was this month. No, we're in June now. It was the month of May when my wife and I were turned in our resignation as the pastor of a wonderful little church in the Washington, D.C. area, and we said yes to become missionaries and serve God in Nairobi, Kenya. For me to join the faculty of Africa Nazarene University, Sarah's ministry wasn't even known yet at that time. It was like whatever would emerge once we got there. And we had to sell all of our worldly belongings. The church gave us an allocation of four four-by-four-by-four-foot wooden crates and said, that's what you can fill up with whatever you want to take with you to Africa. Can you imagine, in those of you who already have households of furniture and everything, that that's what you would have to take with you? And we, had to, we even went to our girls. Hannah was too young at that time, but... The older two girls, we, apart from their clothes and other essentials, you know, we said, here's a box, just a typical moving box, and we said, fill this up with any of your toys, your Barbie dolls, your, you know, uh, games, any keepsakes that you might want to take with you. That's your allocation for this trip. Everything else was sold in a yard sale. We saw all of our furniture, walk off with people in their cars, and all of that. And in many ways, it felt like we were right there, <laughs> jumping off a cliff. And we had people saying, what are you doing? You've got a nice church here, and, and things are going well. And, and my wife was getting into the school system as a teacher, and, and things seemed to be moving in the right direction. And here we were kind of totally turning our lives upside down to go and serve as missionaries somewhere. But it was really all about saying yes to God's mission in this world. And so that's what we want to talk about with you for the next few minutes. And I think really it all goes, but if you go to the next slide here, it all goes back to maybe this time when Jesus was seeing Peter and Andrew out there in their fishing boat with their nets, and he's saying, you know what, guys, that's great, that's really, that's fine, but I want you to put down those nets, and I want you to come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And that come and follow me is something that Jesus is saying to each and every one of us in some way, shape, my wife and I, 
with my mission, World Evangelism Fund, and how much your partnership with us in our ministry means to us. And one of the ways we can do that is by uh, our, our daughter Hannah has a testimony that she actually wrote herself and in not but just thought of herself and would like to share with you about how the giving of good folk like you throughout the church of the Nazarene has been a direct blessing to our lives. So Hannah, why don't you come and uh, share that with us then? My wife will come after that straight away and talk about her ministry and then I'll come back and share with you a little bit more about mine. Hello. Not only did I think of my testimony myself, but I actually lived it. Just want to <laughs> clarify that. <laughs> but yeah, Bona Asafiwe, or praise the Lord. My name is Hannah Reed. I'm 20 years old. I am a junior college student at Olivet Nazarene University in near Chicago, studying social work. Um, my two older sisters, if you guys saw the picture up there, they already graduated from university and are outliving their lives. Just to tell you a little bit about them, my oldest sister, Becca, she moved back to Kenya after college and is now working at an organization there that helps reunite orphans with their extended families. And it's a, this really great work that she's doing. Katie, my other sister, she is working in the same area that I'm current, my school is in, and she is helping with substance abuse prevention for teens in that area. And so basically they're just living really awesome lives and I'm just crossing my fingers hoping that something works out for me after I graduate from college. And if they were here, they would tell you the story of how when we were moving to Kenya, my parents took them to McDonald's to get a Happy Meal to break the news to them because a Happy Meal makes everything better. <laughs> but I was too young. I was only one year old when we moved to Kenya, so I have no memory of that. Kenya's really just become my home and I love and miss it a lot. And I just wanna take this time just to thank you guys so much for all that you guys have done, all of your prayers and support that you have for all of the missionaries around the world and our mm -hmm. family. You guys really are the backbone to what we do. We could not do what we do without you. And I just want to thank you so much. Your contributions to the Alabaster Fund, our, the house that my parents live in and that I was raised in, was partially paid for and built with the Alabaster Fund. So I just want to thank you guys so much for that. And with the World Evangelism Fund, like my dad was saying, it pays all of the missionary salaries all around the world for the Church of the Nazarene. And that is a really great thing. I went to a school with a whole bunch of other missionary kids in Kenya from different denominations, and they were like really envious of the way that Church of the Nazarene supports their missionaries. And I just want to thank you guys so much for all of your love and support. And me personally, so I was really sick as a child growing up, and it got to the point where my senior year of high school, I could only attend two days of my first semester because I couldn't get out of bed. I was just constantly, I had headaches 24-7. I had no idea what to do. There was a ton of different stuff wrong with me that I'm not going to go into. But it got to the point where um, the Global Mission, so they're the umbrella organization that basically supports all of the missionaries for the Church of the Nazarene, they got together and they said that they wanted to support our family and pay for to fly my parents and myself here to the states to get medical treatment and if they hadn't done that I honestly don't know where I would be today 
but I got here, saw snow for the first time. That was awesome, also really cold. But I was diagnosed with chronic pain. So basically I have nausea and migraines 24 seven. I still have it to this day, but I was also put in this pain rehab facility that basically taught me how to live with the pain and let it just not consume me and I'm able to move on with my life now because of it and go to college and live life there. And it's honestly amazing. And I just wanna thank you guys so much because our medical insurance is paid through the World Evangelism Fund. So I wouldn't have been able to do any of that and get any of the treatment that I needed without your contribution to the World Evangelism Fund. And most importantly, your prayers, because I know so many people were praying for my family and me when I was going through that. So just thank you so, so, so much. And just, I just wanna tell you guys that trusting God, anything's possible. He's not done with my life, he's not done with your life. I don't know what he has in store for any of us, but it's gonna be amazing if we just trust and dive in with him. Thank you. Dive in, dive in to whatever it is God has planned for your life and your, your everyday life here in Rochester. We wanna encourage you to trust him Trust him with everything you have. It will be a great, great life, a great adventure. Well, I get to be the mom of this family, and um, they call me Mama Sarah back in Kenya, and I get to raise and love on a bunch of wonderful Sunday school teachers. You can go on to the next slide. Children's, you keep one more. Yes, here. Children's ministry across East Africa. So many kids, so many kids. You can go to the next slide. You can see that we have um, so many kids everywhere you go. We, they're, they're running around the churches. They're peering in the windows. And sadly, many of us adults are chasing them, saying, get out of here, you kids. You're noisy. You're dirty. You don't pay tithe. You eat our food, everything. But no, it's my job to get in there and say, don't chase the children away. Bring them in. Love them. Bring, this is the church of today and tomorrow. You Sunday school teachers, you can do it. I just go around encouraging them. Um, I just, I want to, I want to go back in my life. You can go on, go to the next slide. I was just a normal, everyday little American girl. I don't know how God planned for me to end up in Africa, where I'm a, a minority. I'm many times the only white person. It doesn't matter, but it's just like. God, how did you do this? How did you, how did you plan for me to go to Burundi and Rwanda and Tanzania and Uganda and Ethiopia? How did that happen? I don't know. It's God's plan. It was God's plan for my life. I was just a little, you know, ordinary girl. That's my Easter dress. And then I grew up in, in high school. I was always pursuing, you know, what's the next youth group I can be a part of? What can I do at my church? Just diving in was my life. And every day I just kept diving in until God has led me to where I'm at today in East Africa. Um, I, you can go on to the next slide. These are some of the children that I get to teach. And you go to the next one, some of the teachers, the Sunday school teachers that I get to, to work with and love on. This one's Rebecca. She's from Uganda. She's from Jinja. She was out on ministry and had a horrible accident in a matatu. A matatu is like a 
a public service vehicle that we have. Always room for one more in a matatu. So her matatu was crashed into by a truck. It didn't stop her. She lost her arm, her leg, but she still goes out. We call her Sunshine, S-O-N, Sunshine. Uh, she goes around traveling, teaching children about Jesus and encouraging Sunday school teachers. We have teacher Janet, the next one. Janet's really shy and timid, but she can just come, ac come ac across a young Sunday school teacher, love on them, encourage them. Maybe they're shy, feeling insecure, feeling they can't do it, but she just lets them know they can do it. And the next one, Jazron. He's a loud guy. He's so much fun. Everybody loves Jazron. He's out there playing with encouraging them. These people have difference in the world. It takes all children's ministries directors. So we train them, then they go out to their bushes, wherever they're at across East Africa. They go out deep into their local villages, and they do the same thing, teaching those Sunday school children, Sunday school teachers about how to help children know about Jesus. We teach them about church, children's church membership, the articles of faith, all those things. We are teaching way out across Africa. How did I get there? I just was diving in, a constant attitude of diving in. I want to encourage you to do the same thing. What is stopping you? Don't, don't not trust God for your life. Maybe it's with... Um, you need to go down to, what is it called, Stone, what is your neighbor? Stonewood Village. Maybe you need to go out there and join in your church with your church to help sharing the love of Jesus. All you have to do is love on people. Just show people who you are in Jesus. Maybe you need to be teaching Sunday school. Maybe, okay, maybe you are struggling with alcohol and you need to go to your Celebrate Recovery group. Dive in, whatever it is. Trust him with all you have. You won't regret it. He has a great plan for your life. He will use you in big ways. May I just encourage you, dive in. Dive into the mission that God has for your life. Let me tell you... Uh, Another couple stories about some people who dived in. If you'll go to this next slide after this. If you've been around the Church of the Nazarene for any length of time, you're probably familiar with this name, Schmelzenbach. They were pioneer missionaries of the Church of the Nazarene. These two people, 1906, they were two single persons, Harmon and Lula. They, got on, they both felt the call of God to take the gospel to unreached peoples in Africa, and they got on the same boat for Africa. I don't know if it was the love boat or what, but by the time they got to South Africa, they just decided maybe they, were, they could do this ministry together better than what they could separately. They got married, and then they went into the interior of Africa, if you go to the next slide, in an ox-drawn wagon like this one to begin their mission. They came to a place we now call Swaziland, a place where there was no other Christian mission organization around, and they began their ministry. They lived in the wagon like this for several months before they ever had a semi-permanent kind of structure to live in, and it was seven years, they say, before they ever had their first convert to Christianity. Can you imagine that? Seven years? 
Many of us probably under those kind of living conditions would have given up and said, you know what, I'm going somewhere else or I'm going back home or I'm just throwing in the towel on this. But they didn't. They stuck it out. They persevered. And a great sacrifice. You can go there and you'll see they buried three of their children in that environment. But they persevered with God's mission. And the fruit of that, if you'll go to the next slide, is in this one here, just some statistics about the church in Africa today, the Church of the Nazarene's work there. We are in 34 of the 54 countries of Africa, 115 districts, 100 or 15 pioneer areas. That's where we have some churches, but maybe not yet enough to organize a district like we have here in the States. Over 8,600 churches, over 611,000 Nazarenes. And it won't be so long if the growth trajectories continue as they have been to where we will have more Nazarenes in Africa than what we have in America. And that's just part of the fulfillment of the Great Commission, isn't it? It's taking the gospel to those who have not yet heard it. And let's fast forward a little bit forward. I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, another person. This is the grandson of that Harmon Schmelzenbach, Harmon the third, he and his wife were missionaries in Africa as well. They were the pioneer missionaries to a, several different areas, but among them, East Africa, where we are. They came, flew into Nairobi in 1984 to begin the work of the Church of the Nazarene there. And it was this Harmon who had the vision of an educational training institution to train up God's people for, for the work of ministry especially, but for any kind of work that they might be engaged in. And it was also at that time that the nation of Kenya was just opening the doors for private university education. And so the lights came on in his mind and the minds of others and said, it's time for a Nazarene university, just like we have Eastern Nazarene College that's been around over 100 years now. It's time to have a Nazarene university somewhere outside of North America. And so they organized that, went all the way to the General Assembly of the Church of the Nazarene to get approval to do it. And finally, ANU began in 1994. But there was a lot of preparation work that needed to be done for that. If you go to the next slide, this is the very first work and witness team. I think you're familiar with work and witness in the Church of the Nazarene. This is the very first work and witness team that ever came to ANU. This is before we had any buildings, any fences around the property or anything like that. Wild animals were roaming around and these guys decided they believed in this. And so they dove in with this mission of God to help create a Nazarene university there on the savannah of Africa. And you'll see Harman Schmelzenbaugh standing over here on this side talking to the California. And time ago, 1980s, like 88, 89, something like that. And that was H.B. London, who later joined James Dobson's organization, Focus on the Family, and was the pastor to pastors in that organization. But he was the pastor of that church at that time. Over the years, we've had over 120-some different work and witness teams come to Africa Nazarene University. People just like you who believed in this and they dived in to join in and help in some way. And 
go to the next slide. This is just the results of it today. You can see the development of our campus over the years, and that visual is a representative of the five schools and the two institutes that we have at ANU. We have students from over 20 different countries attending the university in any given semester at the university. We have over 3,400 students in about 35-plus programs that we offer at the university. So God has been blessing ANU. If you go to the next slide, this is just a picture of one of our graduations of all the students. The motto of our university is, what begins here transforms the world. If we give them a good education, they're going to go out and they're going to be agents of transformation in their society. So each year we're sending out a group of students like this to be those change agents because people believed in this vision and they dived in with God's mission. But you know, God's mission is diverse. If you go to the next slide, there are so many different ways that people can contribute, even here, different ways, like my wife was mentioning, that you could be part of God's mission. Even there in Africa, there are so many ways where we try to, we try to accomplish God's mission in our world. Let me just share a couple of those examples. If you go to the very next slide after this one, there's this thing called the Holt Prize. It's an international competition where university students group up in teams and they try to address, create innovative solutions to real-world problems. Kenya is one of the largest producers of pineapples in the world. Just, just on the other side of Nairobi from where we live is a huge, I guess you could call it a plantation, thousands of acres just in pineapples. And, the, you know, once they process the pineapples, there are some leftovers. Just like if you go to the supermarket and you buy a pineapple, what do you do? You cut off the outside and chop off the, the leaves on the top, don't you? What do you do with that stuff? It's those pineapple leaves. These guys, these are our students, they thought of something innovative to do with pineapple leaves. You can process those leaves in some way to create material that will make shoes. <laughs> so they, they, they did all of this, and they brought this solution into this competition, and they competed nationally within Kenya. They won that prize there. They went to the regional competition in Dubai. That's where this photo was taken. And they won the regional competition there, competing against teams from all over that part of the Middle East and North Africa and East Africa and that part of East Asia and maybe even Southern Europe and such. And now they're going to be going to the global competition. And if you win the global competition, you get a million dollars to help incubate your idea and make it an economically viable business venture. And so we're excited to see what will happen. Another one of the teams went all the way to Sydney, Australia to compete in a competition there. We've had students, if you go to this next slide, in our law school competing in moot court competitions for law students. It was like a debate club for law students. And these guys went to Switzerland to compete in that. And all of that is because our law school wants to create a group of legal professionals who will truly stand for justice in society and help to create a society where everybody can, like I was mentioning, the, you know, the difficulty in getting uh, justice in the courts. 
I've been a victim of that myself. I was in court 13 times for a minor traffic accident. And so we want to help create some legal professionals who will really do what's right and will help streamline that whole system. And so we're excited about these guys and what they've been able to accomplish, guys and gal, in that case there. If you go to the next slide, these are some of our students who just decided that they wanted to help their fellow students afford university education. Isn't that cool? And so they raised the money. They had a nice banquet at the end. They got all dressed up in their nicest clothes. And the, lady on, the two ladies in the black dresses, they were the two student body chairpersons, one for our Nairobi campus and one for our main campus. And, and so they were in charge of all of this. And this is them with our vice chancellor, the man there, uh, handing over a check of part of what they had raised to one of the needy students that they raised the money for. Isn't that great? I'm very proud of the students and their own initiative to a lot of students. They're just kind of self-absorbed and they just want to have a good time in university. But these were young people who decided, you know what? We want to dive in. We want to make a difference with what little we have for our fellow students. If you go to the next slide, or two slides, let me skip this one and go on to the next one. This is a picture of one of our faculty members, the guy pointing there in our School of Religion and Christian Ministry. They've come up with something very innovative. Like I mentioned, court system in Kenya is overwhelmed with cases, and it can take forever to get your case processed and adjudicated. And so the, 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 the legal system, the courts have have developed alternative dispute mechanisms. We have those here in the States. We, we do arbitration, where if you don't want to go to court, you get a arbi court-appointed arbitrator to help settle your dispute. And everybody agrees to abide by whatever that person decides. Then there's mediation that's more like a voluntary thing where you're, maybe you and your neighbor are having a disagreement about where the boundary is between your property, and you can go to a, a court-appointed mediator to help you resolve that dispute. And in Kenya, don't have this hard wall of separation between church and state. They can be faith-based mediators. So that if you and your neighbor that you're having that boundary dispute over, if you're both Christians, you can have a Christian mediator appointed to help you resolve that dispute. And so our religion faculty decided we want to get involved in training those court-appointed mediators realizing that many pastors in our context are already doing that just as part of their ministries to their people. Family counseling, marriage counseling, all of those things are, can be considered as part of that. So they got together, started bringing people together who were interested in this. This lady next to him is a judge in the court of Kenya, the family court, they call it. And she herself is a good Christian woman. And she is a children's ministry worker in her local church. She came to one of my wife's trainings. She's not a Nazarene, but she came to one of these trainings for children's ministry workers that my wife was doing and got connected with our religion faculty. And they all started brainstorming about this need and they decided to do something about it. If you go to the next slide, this is a picture of when they were swearing in those who had gone through the training and now they were official court appointable officers to do this kind of Christian mediation. 
I think this is kind of neat, don't you? Trying to solve issues. I could go on and talk regularly when we first went to Kenya, but then I got involved in administration, so I've kind of handed that over to others. But all of the, the school of religion and Christian ministry is producing the leadership for the church in Africa. District superintendents are often our students in these classrooms. People who are now serving as compassionate ministry coordinators for a field or the other educators in our Bible colleges across Africa, they're getting that training at African Nazarene University. Skip a couple more slides to one that says spiritual transformation. We have an office of spiritual development at our university, our chaplain's office, and they're doing great work. We have chapel two times a week, and we have Bible studies and, and mentorship groups and uh, uh, men's fellowship, women's fellowship, and things like that. All of our sports teams have somebody on them that's kind of responsible to bring devotions to the team when they're traveling like over the weekend for sports competitions and things like that. So we're really big on emphasizing the Christian form, character formation part of this university experience. I'm glad to say that it's producing dividends. The, they have a 7.30, no, 7 o'clock in the morning Bible study that is, have, that is now had to split because they have too many young people attending it. I don't know how many of our young people would get up for a Bible study at 7 in the morning, huh? But these young people are getting hungry uh, to grow in their faith and mature. And I remember hearing the testimony of one of our students who came to us. I wish I could say all the students who came to ANU were perfect little angels, but sometimes they're not. In fact, sometimes we get phone calls from important people in the society there that say, you know, I know ANU and the kind of reputation you have for character formation and and my son is just a mess, and he's been kicked out of other universities. Can we send him to your university? Maybe you can do something with him. So we received some kids like that. This one young man had come to us, and he was on drugs, and, and he was just trying to hide it all while he was with us as a student. But he began to sit in chapel, and he began to hear this message of how God can come and free you from the chains of sin in your life. And he eventually gave his life to Jesus Christ, found freedom from that drug addiction. And, and he decided he wanted to go back and help some of his friends back in his home village who were still doing the drugs there. And, and he went as a part of a group. They had a kind of like a weekend event there for in his home village. And so many kids came to know Jesus Christ as a result of his ministry in his hometown. That's the kind of thing that's happening that could be replicated. I know our time is, is gone, but my point here is these are all examples of people who in one way or another dived in with God's mission in this world. So let me jump to the last two slides the one of the people on a cliff that says, uh, Let, let's take the leap of faith. That's the line from Stephen Curtis Chapman's song. Let's take the leap of faith. Come on, let's go. I don't know if you can see very carefully on the top of this hill close to us here, there are some people standing there, isn't it? And uh, this was somewhere along the Colorado River out in Arizona somewhere. My 
daughters and I had some time as we were traveling to a church just like this to share there. So we stopped at this state park, very scenic looking place, and we saw those guys up there and we thought, wow, that looks like a neat place to go see all around. And so we hiked up there, probably took us 15 minutes to get there. And while we were there, we were talking with these guys that you see in this photo. And these guys were trying to get up their nerve to good idea or not, talk about it more, strategize. There are 15 minutes with them, and then we decided we got to move on, and we climbed back down, and before we got in the car, you could still see them up there trying to get up the nerve to jump into the water. I don't know, maybe you, maybe you go back there, even to this day, they may still be standing there trying to figure out how to do this. There are some people in life, that's just the way they are about whatever it is. They're going to think about it. They're going to study it. But at some point, you've got to take the leap of faith, isn't it? I want, to, I want my life to look more like this one picture that we saw earlier, like this guy. I don't know if I'll have his physique or that great form. You know, he looks like he's just kind of posing for the camera, doesn't he? Literally, maybe I don't want to look like that, you know, jumping off something. Like, but figuratively, in terms of our mission with God in this world, for whatever reason, God has chosen to partner with you and me. He's waiting on us to get involved with his mission. He's waiting on us to dive in with him. This is your faith promise weekend. You're going to be talked to in just a moment, but on this little form here, it says something like, I covenant with the Lord to make my promise based upon faith in what he can accomplish through my commitment to him. As God honors my faith and commitment, I will give my gift faithfully to the church for world mission outreach evangelism. Faith. Let's take the leap of faith. This is faith promise. Take the leap of faith. Come on. Let's go. Let's do this. We can't do what we do without you being a part of something like this. So I'm here to encourage you and to challenge you. Giving it back over to the team to finish up uh, in this part of commitment. But thank you for your commitment. Thank you for letting us come and share with you. Let's dive in. just say that on our table back there we have a little prayer card we would love for you to come and take us home with you and you can remember about this time together